you've just heard from people who are victors with breast cancer, people who are holding their very children and grandchildren before God seeking help in health crisis. You've just heard from people who know what it is to seek God's help in times of unemployment and depression. You're hearing people who have really been there and yet have stood up, lifted their hands and praised God as the source of our strength and our help. Mm. You know, we really don't make this stuff up. We, uh, we live this stuff and it comes from this deep place inside us. And that's one of the things I love about Jesus. He spent his entire ministry helping people see what really matters. He, he spent his entire ministry getting people right back to the heart of true love and true life. It's one of the things I love about him. He was constantly seeing how easy it is for people's priorities to get mixed up. And it was true for the time in which Jesus lived. And it's true for us. And in one of my favorite scriptures, Jesus sees how people's priorities have gotten out of kilter. What happens is this. Jesus is going about his ministry and there is something about Jesus that's so engaging and so irresistible that children feel this freedom to come and embrace him and get around him and get close to him. And while this is happening, some of Jesus' handlers, some of his managers say, we've got to get the children away from him. He, he has more important things to do. Our job is to keep Jesus focused. <laughs> so let's get the children out of the way. And I think it's one of those moments where if Jesus would have really lived his greatest impulse, he would have turned a few tables over even in that moment to get his point across. But I think Jesus was modeling for everyone around him, including the children. And what he simply said was, let the children come to me. Another point in his ministry, Jesus has asked, who is the most important in the community of heaven? And Jesus points to a child. Another statement, Jesus even gets more pointed when he says, no one will see heaven unless they become as a child. Several times, Jesus says, the heart of heaven, the heart of love, the heart of faith is the heart of a child. So let the children come to me. The question that comes is, what happened to the child? Where did that child go? I love the scripture in Psalm 131 today because it describes this moment, this moment of being childlike, this moment of being vulnerable. Our scripture says, O oh God, my heart is not lifted up, my eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. 
My soul is like the weaned child that is with me. The message coming through is no matter how old we are, how we move through life, we are called to get back to that soul place. And the soul place is that place of being a child. I loved it a few minutes ago when the children came forward. And I was intentional when I simply said I'd invite the children to come forward. I didn't say the children and those who are childlike come forward. I said, children, come forward. And I think our oldest child today, I don't share your age, but I think it's probably Weta, who's here on the third row, who still has that smile this morning. And Weta, Jesus loves you, child of God, daughter of God. I think Jesus knew what he was talking about. Jesus knew that it was children who came to him in vulnerability and openness and expectation. And Jesus would not reject them, nor would Jesus send them away. He said, come, and let's play together. Let's have some holy play. I want to talk about the gifts that come from holy play and how both of our scriptures today call us to this holy play. Before I go there, I, I want to do a little aside. And, and that is, as we talk about this, let's hold in balance another call, which is the call to maturity. The call to becoming childlike in our faith and having the child heart and engaging in holy play is not a call to immaturity. How does maturity happen? How do we hold that balance of maturity and childlikeness? I, I think the real demarcation on this is that we are called to maturity in our relationships. Being mature in our faith means telling the truth to each other and being impeccable in how we tell the truth to each other. I believe that being mature in our faith is about taking nothing personally, having that place of strength on the inside, knowing where we're focused and where we're centered. It's making no assumptions. It's doing our best. It's seeking to grow each day. But it's really not an irony that the center for our maturity comes from this place of being open and vulnerable to the teaching of God to help us grow into maturity. Children ask questions. Children listen. And it's part of maturity to ask questions and to listen and to respond and to grow, to have a response that comes from this place of trust and therein to become that mature community that maintains that sense of playfulness, that sense of openness to the spirit of the child. So let's look at the gifts that come with holy play. The first gift that comes from holy play is a sense of freedom from the stress of life. I mean, how many of us walk around with beepers attached to our ears, another beeper in our pocket, another beeper on our wrist, maybe on both wrists? <laughs> Constant reminders of our responsibility. Constant demands and pressures. Do you ever find yourself praying before you check your emails? 
God, help them not be too bad today. <laughs> are, you, are you see that message on your phone and you're wondering what this is going to be and you can feel the stress rising even before you've checked it because everyone wants something, everyone needs something, everyone's demanding something. There are very few reminders in our world to play. And there's almost this violence that happens to our heart. They want more and more and more. And we find ourselves giving out of this place that has been sucked dry. We have nothing left, so we want to relax. So we go home and we turn on the television. And how do we play? We watch some program where six people get murdered. <laughs> and that's supposed to be relaxing. <laughs> or we go home to that video game. And you're... You see how many you can kill. Winning means you're killing. <laughs> and this has become a part of our culture. We've forgotten how to play in a way that restores and heals. And Jesus says in today's gospel, get back to real play. The play that I have built into the world. How does Jesus say to play? Jesus says, look at the birds, free and unfettered. Not tied down to a job description, but careless in the care of God. And you count far more to God than the birds. Look to the birds. What do the birds have to teach us? I have found a great remedy for those times when life seems overwhelmingly stressful. My worries mount and my inner resources seem depleted. I consider the birds of the air. Specifically, I pop in a DVD titled Wings, My, Winged Migration an Oscar-nominated documentary that follows dozens of species of birds on their amazing migratory trek, some covering more than 2,000 miles. When I'm too exhausted to read, but wary of the silly and gruesome fare on the network television, I pull out this disc. As the opening credits roll, I may be anxious and worried about my life, Yet within minutes, I am mesmerized at the sight of the gaggles of birds, large and small, elegant and comical, obeying the secret inner prompting that sets them to fly. I love that. The secret inner prompting that makes them fly. That ability to touch the holy and the sacred is prompted from the inside of us. Well, the question that comes out is, what makes you fly? What makes you play? What is your deepest joy? Jesus points to simple things, children and birds, to show us how to play. What is your passion? What makes you smile? What makes you laugh? Go to that place, Jesus says. Now, I'll be honest, uh, Sundays are kind of stressful for me. It just kind of goes with what I do. And so I thought today that between services, I would actually put this sermon into practice. So before coming to this service, between the 9 o'clock service and this one, I, I walked along the side and I thought, I'm just going to look for birds and see how many birds I see. And let's just kind of see what they're doing. Let's see if they look happy. And if they do, let's just kind of tap into that happiness a little bit. 
And as I walked along and saw the birds, I did feel my spirit lifting. But then there was one bird that really got me. It was sitting right on our sign, like it was advertising the church or something. And uh, I'd never seen this kind of bird before. Some of you who are bird people may know what kind it is. It had a bright red head, bright, bright red head. And then it was white all through the middle and then black at the bottom. Do you even know what that kind of bird is? I don't know. I don't know if it was a gay bird or a straight bird, but I can tell you, <laughs> I can tell you that bird was a queen. <laughs> it was beautiful. And it reminds me that we are called to live with this kind of just holy sensibility, this holy play, this openness, this vulnerability, this appreciation for the way God colors our world. Holy play, it really does give us that true release from the stress and the burdens and the pressures of this world which zap it right out of us. So the first gift of holy play is this gift of freedom and rest and relaxation and peace. The next gift that comes from holy play is the gift of healing. When we play, we find ourselves connecting with the very wholeness of God. If you find yourself needing to be reconciled with someone, try just playing with them for a while. Shoot some baskets, play a board game. There is something healing that happens when we laugh together. It's one of the reasons I think God sends children to us. Children have healing graces that they carry with them. One of the things we need to be healed from is our sense of overwork, our workaholism. Early in my ministry, before I was pastoring here, I went for a family vacation in Idaho, and God had blessed me with some wonderful nieces who truly had this spirit of play. And we were in Idaho during the winter, went up to the mountains, and my nieces put on their, their snowsuits, and they went out to play. And I, on the other hand, had carried with me on my vacation this briefcase. And in this briefcase, I had all the things I thought that I needed to do in order to be a good pastor while I was gone. And one of the things I had done before going on this trip was to print out mailing labels of everybody in the congregation. And I had a card I was going to send everyone while I was gone. Something like, having a great time in Idaho, miss you, see you soon, something like that. And, you know, I, I was getting all these note cards out and all these mailing labels. And there I was just trying to do what I thought needed to be done, giving into these kind of expectations. Now, my mother has a way of getting me back on track. She doesn't come and make long speeches to me. She doesn't really say anything. When I'm doing something that she feels is off the mark, she'll just stand a few feet away and cry. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I looked over and, and I saw her face. And I, I almost immediately knew, but before I could, could really say anything, she just said, you know, uh, you've got a long ministry ahead of you, and there's always going to be someone who needs another card. There's always going to be another phone call to make. Uh, those demands are always going to be there. But your nieces, they're going to grow up. They're not always going to be there in the way they are now. 
And uh, so I put those note cards away and I went out. And I will never forget the fun that I had playing in the snow with my nieces. And my oldest niece is now getting ready to graduate from high school. And I'll be going back to Idaho to celebrate with her. But the point is, God gives us the capacity to heal. But it means reaching out to where the healing is. And often healing comes in the form of a child in a snowsuit throwing snowballs. Or sometimes healing comes when you pick up a color or a colored pencil and begin to just fill in those colors. Let the creativity out. Children, they they have so much to teach us. And it doesn't matter how old we are. Some of our institutions today are learning how important it is to include something that draws us back to play or back to nature or to healing. And here is a hospital that found a way to create healing through play for everyone who was there. My father was recuperating from surgery at a large care facility. And the size of the complex and the great number of people being treated there might have made this facility a real dreary place. But yet the staff had taken great care to respond to the patient's spiritual needs just as they took care of their physical needs. They placed this large aviary in the middle of a spacious day room. Patients in all states and conditions, they gathered there and watched dozens of brightly colored birds flit and chirp and peck at birdseed in those glassed-in, sunlit enclosure. I noticed how every face was softened with delight as patients watched these birds. No matter their age, the people became like children, forgetting their troubles and engaging one another in conversation. Mm. Become like a child. Surround yourself with childlike reminders. Surround yourself with color. Find something that makes you smile and keep it near you all the time. Take play breaks. In the midst of your busy office, set a timer. And about every 55 minutes or so, pick up a Nerf ball and squeeze it. Do something to bring that spirit of play wherever you are. And that's really the next challenge. We've, we've talked about holy play as a way of being free from stress. We've talked about holy play as a way of healing. But the very heart of holy play really is love. That's what play is. It takes time to play. We have to make time for it. We have to be intentional about it. And what is time but love? And love is play. Oh, again, how our language reflects how desperate we've become when it comes to this need. We say, I need to make time or take time. What God wants to say is to us, to us is simply receive time. I've already made it. You can't make it. And you can't really take it. It's yours to receive as a gift. And every time you play, you love. Now, in talking about this service, I actually had envisioned a playtime about now. We started thinking about what that would look like. And I thought, you know, I'm not sure the congregation is quite ready for us to break out the beach buckets and the squirt guns. (laughs) So what my challenge to you is today is to be intentional now about how you will create play as part of your life. Think of something even today that will bring this playful spirit into your life. Plant it into your week. I want you to listen now to the strategy that a family used 
to create love, to create play as part of their life. Here's how one family did it. Ed and Jill years ago decided they would not do any business on weekends, but devote their time to play with each other and with their children. On weekends, I can go to their house anytime and know they will be there. I can stop by and they will give me tea, and their son Sam will show me his school projects. I can enjoy such hours in the sanctuary of their welcoming home, knowing there will be no interruptions. Nothing else could be more important than this. I decided to make my home such a sanctuary. At my house, the evenings are playtime. We play cards, checkers, catch. After dinner and before bed, no phones are answered, no business done. Play nourishes our delight. When we engage in purposeless enjoyment of one another, we harvest some of the sweetest fruits of life. Mm. The gift of play is a gift of freedom. The gift of play is a gift of healing. The gift of play is a gift of love. We're going to get you a head start on play today. As you leave, we have bubbles for each one of you. And if you look at your grow up section in the worship folder today, you'll see there's some ideas on how to use these bubbles and ideas on play and some of the scriptures talk about it. One of the challenges I give is to actually walk through your neighborhood blowing bubbles. And if someone looks at you and smiles, just say, would you like to blow a few bubbles with me? And just see what happens. Go from this place and play and see what friends you make or what joy you bring to the world. Go out, blow your bubbles, and then tell me your stories. I'd love to hear them. Amen.